you protect what you love. Hunting is a life, not a lifestyle, it's a life. This is Hunters to show people how great of a job we're doing for conservation, providing for ourselves all the things you and I understand. I think you kind of owe it to the animal that you're hunting to be as prepared as possible. You know, as I get older, I appreciate the laughs and the time and the experience. Yeah, so uh, Jordan and I were sitting around last night, and we didn't really, I guess we just were kind of getting jealous because I think Jordan has a buddy hunting in uh iowa and in that part of the country right now in lots of parts of the country you know it's november the first so and then yesterday being halloween you can always count on seeing some mature deer mm-hmm. getting shot with bow and air in the right. midwest home starting yeah. around halloween yeah I, when i was up there with uh aaron warbritton like it's been like five years ago now i remember the first time i went and filmed him on halloween evening we saw like a 160 inch 10 point chasing a doe around and it just blew my mind because, one, I had never seen a deer that big. And, two, I'd never seen a buck chasing a doe in no, in November, and, well, October right, 31st right. at that time. Well, for years, you know, we did we did a many, many a Truth About Hunting episode. And we did, for five years, we had Truth About Whitetails. And that's what that show was mainly focused around. And we would always go to the Midwest around the 2nd or 3rd of November. That was kind of the time, you know, we if we could get there a day or two earlier, we would. But the way our other hunts would fall... You know, by the 6th of November on through Thanksgiving, it's you can count on some action. Yeah. Unless it's just a super hot or some kind of crazy weather. But just if you set your calendar to take vacation to hunt a rut, you go from the 6th of November to the 15th, 18th of November, and you're going to be you're gonna be in the, in the money then. How much – did you ever see that fluctuate much in that time frame? Like sometimes it would be earlier or later or, or whatever? Because that's a question we get a lot. You know, I don't think it fluctuates – as much, and, and this is what I base this on, um, on Togo Island, a place that I've spent a lot of time on in Mississippi, we've done health checks with the Game and Fish Department. Mm-hmm. And they go in there and they shoot does in, say, February, early March. And then they can take the fetus, measure it, and count back the day that the, the, um, the main part of the breeding took place. And every time they've done that, over eight or ten years, it's been – 21st 22nd 23rd 2021 20, 22 so right there in the same it always happens at the same time and even you know you can set your watch by elk rut too yeah and whitetail rut like in the midwest say mid-november so i don't really think it fluctuates as much as i think that the intensity is different from year to year right and or it might be the place you're hunting if there's a lot of does and the buck to doe ratio is is not real tight. I mean, as 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 many does out there as it is bucks, you're not going to see a bunch of chasing and craziness. But if you got, you know, a, a managed place that the doe numbers are in check, and you're you're letting your top end bucks grow, you're going to see some intense rut activity most yeah. of the time. So it's hard to say. I, I think it's pretty consistent based on Mother Nature's rules every year. Yeah, it's just the intensity in the place that, yeah. that changes. It makes sense. Like yeah, because yeah, I that window that time frame that you mentioned i've heard that before you know from the other guys they always say right around that time frame is what works um the main reason that i wanted to talk rut in the midwest today is uh back during the summertime or no yeah it was right right before we left for elk we did kind of like a poll asking what you know kind of stuff they wanted topics on podcast episodes and such and uh, you know we couldn't do I mean, we can do all of them, but I, the ones I'm doing first are the ones that I heard multiple times. And one big one that I got over and over again was talking about calling deer and yes. then specific questions about 
calling deer and like we're saying in, in that part of the world um it's about that time that you're going to want to be taking some calls with you when you go out and uh so if if you're you know go if if you were going to the midwest right now or if you were going to go hunt this afternoon even what what would you you know would there be a certain you know th- this is a question we get a lot like what you gonna when do you take rattling antlers are you going to take you know when are you going to grunt when are you going to bleat so i mean do you call different in terms of stages of the rut that those sort of things well if i was headed up there say if i went up there yesterday and i was going to be in a stand today i would probably hunt a day or two of course i'd have my rattling horns mm-hmm. and i'd have my grunt call and i'd have my can call definitely mm-hmm. have them with me because you just don't know right i've never seen calling spook deer especially a mature deer now when i say that now if you got one at 50 yards and you call and he looks up in the tree at you and that's one thing i mean but right. as far i mean the deer talk to each other all the time we just don't hear it unless they're close to us you know you hear a little phone bleed or a doe bleed or a, right. a little grunt um now the the way we came up with the roar is a sound that most people probably don't realize it's a deer when they hear it yeah uh, and you really don't hear that sound until you get in the really intense part of the rut mm-hmm. so backing up to where we are today I would probably spend the first day looking, seeing what's going on. You're probably going to see some little bucks cruising around, and don't be scared to grunt and bleed at them just to watch them react. Right. But the biggest the biggest thing we learned many years ago was if you see a deer cruising and you get his attention, if he's by himself and he's looking for those does, don't overcall to him. If you get his attention and he looks and you do a can or you grunt again, he starts coming your way, just let him come. Right. Because you want him to come up there looking. Now, you might have to, you know, do a soft can call or soft grunt off to one side or behind you to kind of throw him off if he's not completely keyed in on you. Um, but I guess the biggest thing is just like calling elk or turkeys or anything. Don't be afraid to call. Right. Because it's not going to work all the time. Yeah. I mean, some years it's going to work a lot. Some years it's not going to work as much. It depends on the intensity like we just talked about. Mm-hmm. So I would I would experiment with those deer, see how they do. You know, don't be afraid to cold call with rattling horns. Rattle yeah. a little bit. I I tend to want to do it like later in the morning or earlier in the afternoon, mm-hmm. um, unless I'm calling to a specific deer that I see. Right. You know, say say it's nine o'clock in the morning. Um, the deer kind of getting unless they're really just really intense moving. They're kind of slowing down. They're kind of getting getting in a place to get comfortable and take a rattling horn. Just a quick little fight last. 8, 10, 12 seconds, like mm-hmm. two deer tying up and one running off and do a snort wheeze in there with it and see what happens. If, if, if there's a mature deer that can hear that and he's keyed up, I mean, it's a good chance he's going to come looking. Right. And then follow that up two or three minutes later. So you have a big fight. Right. The mature deer runs the, the, the subordinate or the intruder off in his territory, so to say, and then – two or three minutes later throw a grunt out there and a bleat like okay now he's with a doe mm-hmm. you know you just got to think about it might sound silly but i try to put myself okay if i'm a deer down there what am i wanting to hear or what am i doing if i'm in his shoes because you watch them so long you kind of get a feel for mm-hmm. the life they live you yeah. know you sit in the tree and you watch how they act and um but don't be afraid to call don't get too aggressive with calling right now when i say roaring and bleating and and grunting unless you're seeing a deer react to it right when I say I mean November 1st yeah. as you get on into the 8th the 10th the 12th then you can as you see the intensity of the rut pick up then just like anything else we call yeah 
you just can't hear deer, so you kind of got to right, you got to watch them. their reactions. Yeah. Elk, we can hear them. Turkeys, we can hear them. A lot more vocal. Um, but do what they do is like I always say: no matter what the critter you're chasing, you yeah. know, try try to try to act like they act at the right time of year. But yeah. if you go out there and go crazy, a mature buck's like, hey, no, that's why you see the little bucks with the does yeah. early because the big guys are sitting out there. They've been through the process. Mm-hmm. They're waiting. They're not burning their energy. They're letting the little guys do it. And the first time they smell that first doe and estrus, it's on then. Right. So once you feel like that's happening, then you can get more aggressive with calling. So you're basically would go into the woods and just kind of the, just gauge the deer's temperament as far as how their rut activity goes. At least goes. the first day or two. And yeah. maybe some light little social kind of calling. Yeah. Some grunting like, a you know, deer playing around or trying to figure out each other to, to – you know, young bucks that are, are grunting at each other, trying to figure out what's going on. And right. the old guy's just going to be sitting over at you and his cud just waiting. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because we know what – I mean, I know what you're talking about. There's those days where it, you've been kind of seeing a little bit and not much. Then one morning you go there and it's breaking day, and before it even gets good daylight, you can hear chasing going on through the woods. Exactly. And, and that's when you know it's on that day. Well, that's where when we created the, the buck roar – that's in the intense part of the rut, and that's just when they just, rah, I mean, they are intense. And mm-hmm. the main reason we did that, because with a grunt call, like a, a, the old-style grunt calls, if you blow them too hard, they sound like a duck. Yeah, they'll break. So what you're trying to do is get that deer's attention at 150, 200 yards, because chances are if he's walking in the woods, walking through leaves, or the wind's blowing, he won't hear a can. It's just too – a can – Too a, soft. A doe call is just not that loud. But you get that grunt call, and he hears that, and he knows that sound means there's there's bucks over there chasing. There's a hot doe, and that's that's where the buck roar was born. Yeah, is to get their attention more than anything and create that intense. Hey, it's something going on over here. Sound just enough to get them to yeah get over there and look. And look, if it works one time in a season, it's worth it. It's worth it. Yeah. It's worth trying it. So you know, by and and don't if you take the the uh, buck roar we have. And on top of it's a snort wheeze. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a real intense, you know, buck to buck. Like, I'm finna come over there and we finna yeah. get with it. Sam. They're fixing to the tie up. Now he's fixing to tie up and he don't want him around. He's protecting his doe. He's um, in his territory. And many times a snort wheeze will work from a long mm-hmm. way. Because there again, that buck's looking for that doe. And if he hears another buck being aggressive, I think it triggers that. He's got a hot dough over there, mm-hmm. and they're going to go. That's just instinct. Another thing I've seen a, a snort wheeze work great on is being able to reach out and for a deer to hear it long distance. Mm-hmm. I was filming uh, Will at Rivers Run, uh, and I, I know you remember where our dab was. Yep. And uh, there was that cutover right behind us, and it was in December, which is our rut down here, and Will spotted with his binoculars, he saw a buck on the edge of that cutover, and he tried grunting tried bleating you could just it, the deer was obviously not hearing it he snort wheezed at him one time Whoop. deer buck stuck his head straight up in the air and then probably 15 minutes later here he comes right down the pipe he was, which he was just a three and a half year old buck you know but he was checking two. it out oh yeah he's like oh that's a different sound that is two deer over feeding under mm-hmm. an acorn tree that's but that's what he had to do to hear it because it was kind of windy that morning too so i mean it was a good long long distance kind of call and i'll tell you what what i've had happen a couple times over the years that people don't need to to miss the opportunity on if they notice it you know when the rut gets going the big the big mature bucks you know they've done studies that they don't breed a ton of does they stay with a mm-hmm. one doe and they they treat her i mean they're like gentlemen 
they stay with her, they watch her, they protect her, and when it when the time's right, you know, yeah. they breed and move on. Well, a lot of times when those deer get, I'm gonna say displaced because of the rut, mm-hmm. the the fawns get separated from the does, and you see the does going around uh, grunting, you see the the fawns going around bleating, looking mm-hmm. for their mama. So I remember one time in Kansas, Will and I, we had a it was a doe, it was two does. And a mature buck, and he would not leave them. We called to him. We grunted. We bleated. We snort wheezed. He would not leave those does. And we just finally started. We noticed the does kind of paying attention to the can call. Hmm. And we just started calling. And and watching the does reaction, actually we called those does right to us, and we shot the buck. Really? Mm-hmm. And it was those does coming to the can call. Mm-hmm. So pay attention to that. Those does ain't coming to another grunt because they don't want to get harassed. Yeah. yeah, the does want to get away from it most of the time. Right. So so if you got a doe that, that's just hanging around in a buck's kind of courting her, don't be afraid to use that can call. See if you can't get her because they might think it's the ah, yeah. I hadn't seen it happen a lot of times, but I have seen it but happen it a few times. And it's the same thing like you're saying. I mean, if you're rolling a can call over – it's not like it's going to spook a deer. No, it don't spook does, bucks, or nothing. Yeah, so it's worth a shot trying to mm-hmm. that. That's almost the same premise of like, you know, when you can't get a gobbler to come in and you start mimicking the hen and get her to come. Come in, same deal. Same. And it, it works for deer. It's just we don't see it and we don't talk about it as much because the deer, right. they are vocal, but they just don't, they don't talk like we, you know, yeah. like, like we're used to other game animals yeah. talking. Yeah, elk and turkeys and whatnot. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, so, like, talk about – like blind calling versus calling to a deer you're looking to. Like if you're, you know, saying if you, you haven't seen anything, we'll talk about blind calling first. I've heard we got questions about how often you do it. You know, there's some people saying, do you have set intervals? You know, you call every so many minutes. So, you know, how aggressive do you get when you're doing blind calling? Do you, you know, that that kind of stuff. So if you're, you know, if you're sitting in a stand, you're in southeast Iowa. Sure. And you're on a ridge somewhere, you know, you're close to some bedding, you know, where you know deer are close, but you aren't seeing any, you're blind calling. What do you, what's your, what are you going to do? I say every, every once an hour. Right. Um, Cause you, what you're trying to do, you just, I mean, if the deer is going to come, he'll probably come the first time he hears it. If not, you're just, you're continuing to call. Cause you don't know, say you got a thicket a hundred yards. You don't know if a deer is coming that thicket and laid down a hundred yards from that you can't see. So mm-hmm. I just like to grunt and bleat. Just sound like a buck in the doe. Maybe throw a little bit of a roar out there. November first, I wouldn't throw a roar. I just would grunt, right, right, and then maybe maybe bleat, or I'd probably bleat first and act like a grunt, like a buck responding. Right. Um, as you get a little more into the the rut, I would throw a roar out there, right, you know, and then mm-hmm. then bleat a couple times. And it's really no set way to do it. Do you bleat once? Do you bleat twice? Do you grunt two or three times? Um, it it all works. I, I don't right. be scared of it. Yeah. Just don't go, don't get too, do it too much because I don't think it's normal mm-hmm. if you do it, overdo it unless yeah. you got it, unless you're creating a snort wheeze with a, with a roar and a, and a bleat, like two or three bucks in a doe. But just blind calling, I would just more, you just wanting to let one, hey, there's, there's deer over there. Right. right. So just once an hour with a subtle grunt and followed by uh, two or three bleats, I think. Mm. What a way I would do it. There's, I mean, there's so many resources out there these days as far as, because I, I mean, I hear one thing you keep t- touching on a lot is just trying to create realism yep. in terms of, you know, not just sit out there and go, rah, 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 you know, just over and over and over again because, you know, it's not very realistic. But, um, I mean, heck, these days you can go on YouTube and look up real duck, real buck bl- uh, grunting or real doe bleeding and you can give you a really good idea of what a realistic, you know, 
deer would sound like. And it, right. I mean, that kind of same thing when we do that with turkeys, well, you know. And, and and getting back to November 1st, you know, we, we touched on it, but we hadn't, really, you know, rattling. This is when those bigger bucks, you know, they're starting to, mm-hmm. you're starting to see rubs everywhere and scrapes everywhere, and they're getting territorial. Mm-hmm. So uh, a, a, an intense buck fight can can produce some action too right now oh yeah that's why uh, you you hear that a lot is uh that pre-rut time or that early time that's when those rattling horns work the most Mm -hmm. and you agree with that absolutely yeah because that's what they're doing they're establishing their territory you know all summer they hung out together Mm -hmm. then the 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 velvet comes off and then they start splitting up Mm -hmm. and then then right now you don't have no you might see two or three bucks together, but then I guarantee you most time they're two and a half and yeah, three and a half the year younger buck. ones usually. You get the fours and fives and older, they're uh-huh. they are solitary, they are by themselves, they are just they know how the games play. Mm-hmm. They usually don't hang out in big big groups either. This time, you know, like down here at Cottonmouth, we still got the bucks and the does feeding in some of the same food plots. Mm-hmm. Now you get on in uh six weeks from now. They're not going to be – I mean, they'll come out there checking for does, but they're not going to be hanging around tolerating each other a right. whole lot. Yeah, that won't happen. <laughs> and I think that's – there we go. We're back in the Midwest again too. Yeah, so. that's the that's the big difference. I mean, you'll see the same kind of behavior, just different period of time. So, another thing, you know, I think something that goes hand-in-hand hand with calling um, and a thing we get asked a lot, and I always – I like to think about common-made mistakes – and a lot of times, common made mistakes are mistakes that I've made myself. Uh, so, like, like I can remember, I've I've seen, I've done it, I've done stuff like this myself, and I've seen, heard stories of buddies doing this. You know, they're sitting in, you know, they're sitting on a food plot or something, or a wide open field, and uh, a buck comes out and they try to grunt to it, and the buck looks their direction, and they're looking across a wide open field, and it's pretty open timber behind them. The buck looks at the grunting. Then just kind of walks off, right? I mean, that's just like any any anybody. So, okay, say if you're let's put this in another situation. Say if you're hollering at me, mm-hmm. and I can see where, and I can see you hollering. I know right where you are. I know what's going on. Uh, okay, say if you're in the woods hollering, or you're on the edge of a creek, or you're on the edge of a ridge that drops off behind you, right? And you holler, and I look over there, and I can't really tell what's going on. I got to go over and check it out and mm-hmm. see what's happening. That's just, you know, I'm just talking like me and you're talking but right. a deer is the same way if you're if your stands in a spot that at 100 yards he can look over there he hears a doe or hears another buck and he don't see anything that's turkeys do the same mm-hmm. elk do the same but if you're on a like a top of a ridge mm-hmm. and he's on the side of a ridge more times than not he'll come up to see what's going on right or if you're on the edge of a creek and he knows you know if there's some or if you're in a thicket it's going to work better time and time again if he has to come look for the sound he hears yep. if he can see where that sound's coming from he's not going to be as as um quick to come over there getting bow range if he yeah. if he sees what's going on that's i can hear i can hear will in my head saying you got to make him come look for you yep. you got to make him yep. that's what he always says um you know and you can't always put your stand in a perfect spot for calling right but just keep that in the back of your head you know, it might be better not to call if you're on the edge of a field and you got big woods behind you, mm-hmm. unless you got a decoy out, and that changes the whole scenario. Then, mm-hmm. then they got, then they, yeah. they they see, oh, there's the deer over there. I'm gonna go check it out. Right, yeah. and even you know, I've heard you know guys, if they're not in one of those perfect calling stands like we're talking about, but if they're you know it's reasonable, they just if they're especially if they're looking at a deer, they just don't get 
overly aggressive with it. You know, they'll make sure the deer's looking the other way or he's, his head's behind a bush or something. They'll just one time just to get the bucks, you know. Yeah, never, looking. never, never call to them if they're, if they're attentive and their ears are up and they're looking in your direction. Mm-hmm. Make sure that you said it perfect. Make sure their heads, make sure they're down smelling the ground or make sure their heads turn the other way. But, you know, just make them have to look for that sound. Mm-hmm. If, if you're looking at their eyes and you're making that sound, I think you're making a mistake most, yeah. most of the time. Yeah, I think they're, they're trying. You're trying to pull at that curiosity. They're right. trying to. There's something over there, but I'm not sure <laughs> exactly where. Like you said, it's the same thing about setup. It's about making them. They're trying to come look. Yeah, they're, they're just. They're where's it at? What is it? You know what's going on? They want. They want to get where they can see, and they want to get where they can smell because that tells the story to them. So let's do this as far as because. People always enjoy this kind of stuff. If you, if I asked you, you know, to think about out of your experiences calling in bucks, as far as the most, you know, the best example that you could think of, or you know, just the mo- most fun one you could think of, can you like play that out for me? No doubt, I got it. First one to mind. Um, well, the most fun one was when we were in Mississippi and bleeded up Morgan's first, well, her first decent rack buck. Right. It was eight point. We were hunting. Right. Real quick, we were hunting a food plot, a green, long green strip, and we were in pines that were probably about eight years old, real thick. Well, I remember we were in a double bull blind, and I just was soft, you know, cold calling, like mm-hmm. we talked about, right. grunting, uh, uh, grunting and bleating. And all of a sudden, we hear this, and this deer just, I mean, he jumps out of them, <laughs> them briars right in that food plot and stops and looks our way. He just knew there was, he had to come out there to see. Something going on, right. And she shot it. But the, the coolest calling situation was in Pike County, Pike County, Illinois. Will Primos and I was videoing. He was hunting. And we ha- we were on the edge of a CRP field. It was a creek bed that ran through it. And we were climbed in it, you know, tree on that edge of that creek. And then, of course, the grass is four to six foot tall. So right. a, a deer can, a deer has to come looking mm-hmm. t- to find something. Mm-hmm. We see one come off the ridge about 200 yards, and uh, Will calls and bleats nothing, calls and bleats nothing, and finally he got really loud on the grunt call. Mm. And that was one of the first times we figured out that we got to make a grunt call that's louder. Right. Because it, right. it starts losing its, you know, accurate sound. Its tone, yep. The old, like the hardwood grunters, what he was using at the time, if I remember mm-hmm. right. But anyway, that that deer heard that grunt, and he looked over there, and then Will took the can immediately, meh two times and that deer turned and he just started walking right to us and he he had missed us a little bit and i remember will just did the bleat because he was say 100 yards 75 to 100 yards and will bleated one more time he turned and came walking perfectly to us and yeah. it was on the truth you know back in that might even be in vhs back in our dvds <laughs> that was so long ago but that was a really is a beautiful eight point i remember heavy and um that was just that was a, the definition of a textbook calling calling white tail hunt yep just strictly grunting and bleat but the the key to it was getting his attention Mm -hmm. because he was by himself he was cruising he was looking right he was looking for and when he heard what he was looking for bam right to 25 yards because you can tell too like you can like just looking at a buck you can tell his demeanor a lot of the times when he's cruising like that you can Mm -hmm. look at him and you know what he's doing um but thinking about that too like going back to what we were talking about with setups you know i've had to be thinking if y'all are sitting on a crp field you know, that that CRP was probably thick enough to where that deer just couldn't look across and see, you know. Oh, yeah, the, yeah, the grass was four or five foot tall. Right. So, so he had to keep keep coming our way, smelling and looking. And, you know, you can see little pockets here and there. But at 100 yards, he can't 
he can't tell what's going on. Yeah. So he can't. Yeah, that's the whole point. Like we're saying, he can't. He hears that calling, but he can't just look across that field and go, "There's no deer over there." Mm-hmm. All he sees is that grass stuff, which is, you know, very popular for deer as far as where they stay in. And so it was a very realistic sound for him to hear. And I tell another uh, another one, um, and I can't remember if you videoed it or if Jordan did. Was it Togo last year? Will called up a that was me a deer. Mm-hmm. Okay. And actually, y'all had two bucks come in at the mm-hmm. same time. And people say deer don't call as good in the south. I think one reason is is because our numbers in the south, our density is so much higher. Mm-hmm. So that, I think, is one reason people have sometimes experienced that. But, like, there, we're real aggressive on the does. We're aggressive on the buck harvest. And so the buck-to-doe ratio is it's tight. Is tight. Yeah. And, and that just goes to show, I mean, two different mature bucks came in and Will shot one. Yeah. I remember the one came up to him looking and the other one was back there making a scrape. Mm-hmm. He know, was Because he, he was grunting. And you, those, those deer came in both postured up, you know, how they look real, just, you know, where's that coming from? <laughs> and uh, just thinking, you know, because you were saying earlier, you know, don't be afraid to call. Will may be the best example of that ever because, you know, they're he ain't th- afraid to call it nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but that was – so on that that was a blind calling kind right. of deal. We didn't we didn't see those bucks. We knew it was that time of year, and he he was grunting. And next thing you know, like I just see him coming, and they were coming straight to that call. I mean, that, that buck that he shot came to the base of the tree, yep. you know. Um, but then it was a few days later, if you remember that uh, – this was on the show too. That eight point that got past us, which was you remember I couldn't on get the, the camera on him, right? And that deer, he came he came through. Will canned at him. He kind of looked, but he never grunted at that one. Just can only, just right? can. But he would can, and he would look, and then he kind of go back to doing his thing. And then every time that deer would put his head down, he I think I, I want to say he was browsing on dewberry bushes. He was browsing on something. But I think when it's it's important we tell people listening this too that this is. It's fairly thick in there, like mm-hmm. ground cover, but it's not thick. So, hit the deer with 100 yards, and y'all just need 80 yards. Y'all just need to become a little bit more. So, Will mm-hmm. got his curiosity up with the can. Mm-hmm. But a grunt call in a can, when he's that close, is probably a little aggressive. Right. Which I, I think y'all handled that. Will handled that perfectly. Mm-hmm. That's Go ahead. A, yeah, that's yeah. It was what he was exactly. But And I'm, I'm thinking, you know, what you were saying earlier, every time that deer would stick his head up to look, Will wouldn't call. Because every time he would look away, yeah, he turned that can again. And he had his he had to call behind the tree because mm-hmm. it was it wasn't a great scenario, but you know mm-hmm. it, it was enough yeah. um, brows and enough tops and stuff where that deer said, hmm, "I'm gonna go check this out." And he didn't get aggressive; he just finally mm-hmm. turned and said, "Okay." After after what four or five right. calls, he said, "I'm gonna go see what's going on." Mm-hmm. And we we did have there was a little bit of a roll right a behind swell. that stand, so gotcha. you know there was I think there was like you said there was just enough thick and just enough you know terrain to make him you know and will being just enough with you know not overgoing on the calls i mean obviously he he walked to the tree too that was my fault well i remember we, i remember will giving you a hard time when you got back <laughs> and that camera saved enough <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're trying though i mean he almost he just he just turned at the wrong time but that's how they got that's how they do something that was a beautiful deer too i said will look you got all the excitement you got to call one in and now you got all that, and you don't have to clean a deer. He didn't like that, though. I thought that may smooth it over. It didn't, <laughs> didn't happen. <laughs> Did you see the size of that eight point? He was good. That, and right on that riverbank, that was, that was cool. It so, was beautiful. You know, no matter where you are, if you're out west, if you're in the Midwest, if you're in the south, southeast, you know, don't be afraid to and definitely take those deer calls. And just because mm-hmm. they don't work every time you go out or every weekend, if they work once or twice a year and you can get a shot at a you know, fill a tag, then it's worth it's every worth bit it. of the effort, in my opinion. Agree. Agree. 
Um, so, guys, I think that's all we're going to touch on today. Um, one th one other thing you can definitely do is if uh, you haven't checked out the Primo's YouTube channel yet, uh, go to YouTube, type in Primo's Hunting. It should be the first channel to pop up. Uh, we have, I'm, I'm talking tons on tons of videos that are related to calling deer, some of the same topics that we talked about in the podcast today. So definitely hop on YouTube and check that out. Uh, but that's all we're going to talk about today. Hope you all enjoyed the conversation. And as always, thank you for listening to the Speak the Language podcast.